Welcome to the Metal Maven Podcast, where we explore and discover the process and passions of artists in the metal music and art community. In episode 10 of Metal Maven Podcast, I'm joined by Jens de Vos, lead guitarist of Belgian metal quartet Off the Cross, as well as a content creator for his business Panda Productions. Thanks for being here, Jens. What's up? Hey, thank you for uh, inviting me to this conversation. I'm going to do my very best to not sound nervous. I honestly been there. Like I was literally shaking my first episode I ever recorded. So I think you're going to do fine. So don't worry. So just for reference, uh, Jens and I began working with Epica around the same time. So since the Quantum Enigma was released and uh, I've thrown a few lower thirds and title cards his way in the past. I've found myself like always blown away by your work, Jens, especially since it usually ends up contained within my design. So your attention to detail was and is appreciated. Yeah, thank you very much. It's it's always great to work with uh, good graphics because I think graphic design is one of the most difficult things there is, at least for me, because when I when I finish a video production, there's always this moment when you have to put on the titles and the font, and you have to choose fonts or uh, put graphics on there, and that's just one of the most difficult things there is. I think I've got a lot of respect for people who can make a a good and clean graphic design. Thank you so much. Even though I've known you for quite some time and we've worked together, we haven't actually spoken at length, which is kind of weird. I know Daniel introduced us briefly, I believe, at Epic Metal Fest, I think 2016, but you're usually really occupied because you're filming or performing. You're doing you know, either of those things, but I'm happy to get a chance to chat with you properly today. I read that, yeah, there was the O13 in Tilburg, right? That as well, yep. I was at both of them. Ah, okay. At O13, I I, uh, I played with my band and I was shooting for Epica. So that was a very, very busy day for as far, far as I remember. And, and I'm not the, the most <laughs> the most social always. It's just because I'm shy and awkward. <laughs> it's Sometimes people misunderstand it for being unfriendly or not interested, but it's just me being awkward. Honestly, I'm the same way. So no offense taken at all. So we're good. (laughs) Cool. So before we get into Off the Cross, because the band is really starting to take off, I wanted to go back to the beginning, which is important because your early years set the stage for what you're currently doing and have created for yourself. As a teenager, you stated that you were a guitarist in a few bands, but word spread when you started creating music videos for local bands. What made you decide to step behind the camera? Well, yeah, I, I just really loved the music scene and everything about it and around it. So I wanted to do everything, basically. I wanted to be in a band and play guitar, make my own music, but also make videos and take photos, try to do management and bookings and organize my own festivals. I just wanted to do all of it. So I, I think I did all of, all of it but at some point. But then my girlfriend back then, she studied at film school. So starting to make music videos was like an obvious choice. So we bought a crappy camera and we asked the local punk rock band if we could shoot a music video for them for free. And yeah, we did it. And it was it was really cool experience, actually. And I had a lot of fun doing it. And back then, I think it was like 2010, it was it was still really special for a local band to have a music video. 
uh, I think compared to now, it's it's uh, if if you don't have videos or content as a band, it's you practically don't exist, and that's something that really changed through the last ten years, I think. When you look back at those first pieces of work, the old music videos you created, how do they make you feel? Because I know looking back at my old designs, I still really like them, but I see where I could have made them better. So do you have a favorite music video from the archives? Well, uh, picking a favorite is really difficult, but yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I'm kind of extreme in that. Like when I make something, after when it's finished, I almost always hate it. And then only after a few months and, and maybe even years, I start appreciating it and like seeing the bigger picture. But yeah, I may, I maybe you know the feeling like being so close and involved in a, in a project or a production that you start losing the bigger picture or just seeing it as a whole. But yeah, obviously I, I see an evolution compared to my work back then it's technically and creative i think but a favorite that's just very difficult uh, to choose that's all right i figured maybe it was that punk rock one because it was that first taste of doing it maybe there's a good like experience attached to it well yeah what it's mostly the the experiences that that stick with me and not the the videos itself and like even that the very first video i did it's it's lost it's Nobody has it anymore. I don't have it anymore. And it's off the internet. So I can never see it again, which which sucks. <laughs> I know that happens. I know like even designs on like our very first computer we had and it's just totally gone now. And I wish I would had the opportunity to look back at it. So eventually you built a quite a portfolio of work and made a name for yourself in the music industry. In 2013, you created Panda Sessions which was a music show featuring live studio sessions and interviews from over 30 artists. The show ran for four seasons on Belgacom TV. So how did this opportunity present itself and how has it influenced your current work? Well, yeah, like I said, I, I always wanted to do like a lot of different stuff. So making a TV music TV show was one of those things because, yeah, why not? <laughs> Yeah, the the first two two seasons I just made by myself because they weren't for uh, Belgacom TV. Uh, I made by myself, then got some airtime on a like a local digital TV station, and found myself a sponsor, which was large pop merchandising. They sell like band shirts and stuff, uh, so they covered most of my costs, and I just made it without earning any money or having any money just because I really loved doing it and working with a lot of artists on a short period of time. And then the show got kind of popular in the music scene. And then I sold it to Belgacom TV. And Belgacom is like one of the 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 two big mobile providers in, in Belgium. So yeah, then I could do it like for real and have a big budget and a decent uh, film studio and all those kinds of things. So that was really cool to do, especially when you're 21 or 22 years old. Absolutely. Well, it's cool, too, because you're, you are going from music videos, which I feel is a totally different type of creative project versus this more like intimate studio recording sessions. I don't know. I feel it's a lot more personal. So you have to approach filming it differently. Yeah, yeah, it's completely different. But it's still, yeah, for me, it's always the combination with video and 
music in any any way or form that yeah that that's uh, that does it for me. You work with a bunch of different bands. So, what is your approach to making content unique for each of them? Well, I think each band is unique. So, my actually, it's really easy because my only job is to get try and capture that uniqueness, I guess. Uh, so, yeah, if a band is really uh, heavy and brutal, then my filming and editing will be more aggressive and uh, and more energetic than when uh, I'm working from a kind of a mellow band and it will be then the filming and editing will be a lot more atmospheric. So I just try to understand uh, and connect with the artists I'm working with and translate their music into video. So for after movies, as an example, like, are you given like carte blanche, like to do whatever you want, like choose which song is featured or how is, how does that process work with, you know, collaborating? Usually with after movies, I have a lot of freedom. Mostly the bands, they say, yeah, pick pick a song from our latest album most of the time. And then just uh, try and capture the essence of the, the show. In, in a nowadays, it's one minute after movie. You have some really cool projects coming up. And I'll let you decide which one you want to talk about first. So, yeah, I'm uh, working on Arian, actually finishing the project now. They contacted me the first time two years ago, and I had no idea what it was, actually, Arian. And I just remember telling it to the Epica guys, like, yeah, uh, Arian, they contacted me to make their DVD. And just the look on their faces made me realize, okay, this is probably a big deal. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Huge deal. Well, I know Simone is like a featured guest in it, and I know Mark as well. Yeah, they were part of the show, uh, which we recorded in September. So, yeah, I did the DVD two years ago and I did it uh, this year. Uh, And it's just crazy, like capturing that kind of show with like 50 people running across the stage and such a massive production and lead walls. And this time there was like a castle. So then you have singers on the towers, you have singers coming through gates. It's yeah, it's crazy. And you can't miss any of those key moments. So it's it's a pretty crazy job to do. So I usually see maybe you and someone else recording like at different angles, but for Arian, it's a much bigger production. Like what was your setup for that? Well, yeah, if I do those DVD productions uh, like Arian or Camelot, or I did a few more, then then I yeah I contact a lot of other freelancers and uh, I brief them about the show. Like this is going to happen. Make sure, uh, yeah, everyone knows like you're uh, on the stage right. So capture every guitar solo and like that. Every camera guy has his own job. And yeah, like with Arian, we have like 30 cameras and we record two shows. So yeah, that's a lot of footage to edit. And it goes from GoPros in, inside of the drum set to cranes going nine meters high. So yeah, it's it's but it's really cool to do. It's actually my favorite thing to do these days is working on a bigger production like that. Well, there's so much content to go through at the end. I mean, you have so many different angles of video and trying to make it all seamless. How much time does that usually take you? I mean, are you the only one editing? Is that your sole responsibility, or do you get help to edit certain parts of the video as well? Well, I should <laughs> try and get some help because it's, yeah, like you said, it's a lot of work. But until now, I, I do everything by myself. And uh, with Arian, for example, it's it's three months working on it, like every day, I guess. 
and yeah, trying to give the feeling to the viewer of, of the show, of the of the film, that they were inside of the venues. So really try and capture the energy in all the key moments uh, inside of the video. Yeah, it's a real challenge, but I, I yeah, I'm starting to get better at it because when I did the first Aryan show two years ago, it was also my first uh, DVD production. So that was really tough, especially because it's not just a band, but it's like this big production. But I'm much more comfortable with it now. I get it that like you want to be the one editing. It will save you money and it's also quality control. It's like you know that you're going to like the result. Exactly. It's, it's really difficult for me to yeah, give stuff away because, yeah, there's my name on it. So Exactly. So we discussed prior about collaborating with Epica on their video content, and that work has created opportunity for you on stage as well. Your band Off the Cross recently played support for their Design Your Universe 10th anniversary show in Moscow, Russia. But that was also part of your own headliner tour through the country. How was that experience for you guys? Russia was, yeah, it was a crazy experience. Like, it's one of those things you never thought you were going to do in your life. And you go to places where you never thought you would visit or meet people you never thought you would meet. And it's just totally crazy. Yeah, Moscow is pretty normal, but if you go through the other towns, like we've been to a place close to Kazakhstan, and you meet you meet people there who never met anyone international. But if you go to countries like Russia or, or maybe China or Japan or yeah, they nobody tours there, especially outside of the big cities. So if someone's playing there that's not Russian, or they they will come to the show. Like when we drove in. Uh, Inside of the cities, we saw posters with our faces on it, like against buildings and stuff. So yeah, it's crazy playing those places. And you get a lot of gratitude for coming to those places from the crowd and a lot of energy. So that was one of the, uh, that's a bucket list thing for me, for sure. And then, yeah, Moscow with Epica was that was crazy because on our own headline shows, we have like between 50 or 300 people a night. But with Epica, they, they had a sold out show uh, for about 3000 people and the, the Russians, they came really early. So the venue was pretty packed when we played and it was just really cool to do and to hang out with my friends in Epica in, in Moscow. So I'm really grateful towards Epica for allowing us to do those shows. That's awesome. Well, now that you're back home, you also recently had another big show on the 7th of December at AB Concerts with support from 4AM King and Arson. How was that experience headlining a show in your home country? For how much work and passion goes into creating your music, it must feel like a great accomplishment. Yeah, yeah, it was. Because also AB is like a really special place. It's a really prestigious venue in Belgium, in Brussels. And it it was like a gamble for us. Like, will anyone show up to a headline show in Brussels? It's not that easy. But yeah, it was, it was packed, uh, the place. It was a great night. It was almost sold out. And it was just a really good end of the year for us because we, we did some really cool stuff in Belgium. Like we played the biggest, like Grass Pop and Alcatraz, the bigger festivals with great spots. And yeah, we had a lot of fun shows. And then to finish it off at, at AB, that was really cool to see people actually showing up and wearing our shirts and know, singing our songs. And yeah, that's why you do it, I guess. 
Yeah, it must be like the best feeling ever. You put so much work into your music, you know, you want it you want people to receive it and feel it and want to come to your shows and have a good experience. Yeah, because I never take take people showing up for granted cuz yeah, there's so many bands these days and if people like take the time to spend the night with us and listen to our music, then I uh, yeah, really appreciate that. I was uh on Isaac's Instagram stories that he's there, he's just like recording you. <laughs> so I was getting little snippets of the show. So in order to reach this point where you're at right now, some adjustments internally had to be made. You know, you have new members. So how has that improved conditions in regards to dynamic and, you know, dedication to the vision that you have for Off the Cross? Off the Cross has exists for three years by now. And when we started out this band, well, I, I like sat at the table with, with the band members and we said like, all right, are we going to do this? Yes or no? And everybody said yes. But it's really easy to underestimate how much this can ask of you because combining motivated band like this with personal life and families or full-time jobs, it's just yeah really hard. So yeah, since then, <laughs> I'm the only one remaining, actually. In three years' time, uh, I'm the only one from sitting on the table that's still in the band. And yeah, it was pretty hard at times, but now we've got a band like with all dedicated, dedicated guys and and people, which is the most important, people on the in the right uh, place in their lives to do this, like the right age and the right mindset to to go for it. And it, yeah, the, the last few months, it, it feels really fun and professional at the same time. And that's what I really like. That's the best combination. Well, now that things are taking off, like how are you planning to balance cinematography projects and the band? Yeah, it's sometimes it's difficult, but a lot of times it's really easy because there's a lot of overlapping stuff because it's the same kind of business. It's both metal music business, I suppose. And also we had a lot of opportunities with the band that we were, would have never had if I wouldn't be doing this video thing and uh, getting to know a lot of people inside of the business. So it helps each other. But yeah, I've had to make some difficult choices. If you have to like, yeah, if you have an opportunity to go shoot a really big band and you have to say no because you're playing a show, a small show with your own band, that's hard, but yeah. You just have to set priorities, I guess, and make choices. Well, what's really convenient is that you create all the music videos for Off the Cross, so it gives that professional quality and saves you money as well, so that can get poured into other endeavors like your new album, which you're currently working on at Sandline Studios. 2020 is looking good so far, so can you offer any details about your upcoming album? Well, yeah, we recorded in a few different studios, actually. But yeah, it's really cool to work with people you look up to, like Joost, who is like guiding us a lot through the through the making of the album. And he played all the keys, like the Hammond organ and the grand piano. And he's really like a guy who's in control when he feels uh, that I'm like slacking or I don't, he, he will always tell it like, OK, let's let's set a deadline. We will have this done by then. And he's a yeah, he's, he's a great guy. And he's also mixing the album as we speak. And also we've got a lot of other cool people involved, like Kuhn from Epic Eyes helping me out with the arrangement and the orchestration. And Fabi, the singer from Elevati, 
she did some amazing guest vocals on a slower song we have and where we recorded that at Sandlane with Joost. And that was such a cool experience for me to hear her sing my words. That was crazy. I, I remember she did the first take and she was like, was this okay? And Joost looked at me and I was almost in tears. And he was like, yeah, <laughs> like looking at Jens's face, I think this is this was what he was going for. So yeah, it's it's really exciting times for us uh, making this album because now it's it's time to break out of our our own country and go international, find the label, the right agents, partners, all those kinds of things. So it's it's a bit terrifying, but also really exciting. That's the only way it is when you start something new. It's completely scary, but also very very exciting. And it's also good, too, that you've established yourself in your community and people are kind of rallying behind you and helping you collaborate on your new album. So it's great that you have that support. Yeah, that's it's always blows my mind when those kind of real people, people I look up to want to help me out because I'm always really scared when asking them, like when I send an email to yours, if you wanted to mix our album. I was like, no, he's gonna, have, he's not gonna have time. He's got all these big ass, huge bands and projects going on. He's not gonna have time for my band. But he was really, he was really excited. The same with with Kuhn or with Isaac helping me with songwriting. Or, yeah, it's, I, I really appreciate those guys helping me out. I interviewed Iris from Spoil Engine. Like that was from Isaac. He messaged me about that. You know, and sometimes like. I have to step back and I can't believe the support that I have, especially with this podcast. So like, I totally get it when you're like, oh my God, like looking at this album being made, you're like, there's a lot of people I know that are helping me and it's kind of insane. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do, I guess, help each other. I like the saying, uh, high tide raises all ships. Mm, there you go. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's something I try and remember a lot of times. So for this new album, are you you know, trying to create something completely new and different? Like, what is the vibe? I think we're, it's always a search for our own sound. Like, for this album, I, I'm starting to get the feeling that we're getting there. I don't think I will ever have the feeling that we, we're there, but I, I think we're pretty close to where I want to be. It's modern, but still there's a lot of classic elements in there, and it's a more energetic bit faster it's catchy yeah i'm just really proud of the the songs we have and i hope we'll get it out there in the biggest way possible well you just have to always see yourself or see the band as like a work in progress i mean when eventually after more albums are you'll look back and you can definitely see where you've improved and changed and grown so all in good time so my last question is absolutely unrelated to everything we just discussed. <laughs> Why is your nickname Panda? Did you have a say in this? It's in your company <laughs> name as well, so I'm wondering what the backstory is. I've always wondered this and never had a chance to ask you. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously a lot of people ask me, but I, I really have to come up with a better story because there really isn't one. I, I just remember when we did that first music video for the local punk rock band, and there was like a big premiere and uh, and we had to have a name, like me and a friend uh, who made that video. And, and I don't I really don't remember, it just came out, Panda. 
<laughs> Panda Productions. All right, let's go with it. And I'm still stuck with it after 10 years. And people all over the world call me Panda. But yeah, I guess I'm okay with it. All right. I was just wondering. I mean, it works. It sounds catchy. Panda Productions. It sounds good to me. Yeah, and I've been getting like uh, panda gifts from, from from everyone for the last ten years. So I've a big collection of panda stuffed animals or little statues or all things like that. All right, you're stuck with it now. You can't change it. It's done. Yep. Well, that's all the questions I had for you today, Jens. I really appreciate you taking time out of your evening to chat with me and tell me a little bit more about your work. And it was great to talk with you finally. Yeah, no problem. It was, it was really cool to do. I enjoyed it. For more information on Panda Productions and to view Yen's recent video projects, visit pandaproductions.be. And make sure to check out offthecross.be to listen to the band's latest music, watch their music videos and documentaries, plus get tickets to upcoming shows in 2020. Visit MetalMavenPodcast.com for links to Yen's social profiles, videos, and read the full transcript of this interview. Thanks for tuning in. And be sure to subscribe to Metal Maven Podcast on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google.